Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Bob Tate, the president of Axiom Consulting. Thanks for joining us, Bob. You're most welcome, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here. Before we get going any further, let me remind everyone about what's coming up next. Our next show on August 2nd will be Tracy Nickel from PMPC Direct. After that, we're going to have a serial entrepreneur in Cincinnati, a fellow named Ryan Walker, who's now president of Differential. That's an internet development company where they help startups get their product to marketplace. And Ryan's company doesn't charge them anything for the development work, but just takes a piece of the action on the way as, as the company is resold or goes public. On the 15th, we're going to have a veteran restaurateur in Cincinnati, Dean Gregory, the proprietor of the Montgomery Inn Boathouse. Then we're going to have an advertising specialty uh, CEO, Gene Conroy from Tree Frog Specialties. And then on the 22nd of August, Mike Lamb, the president of Cincinnati Time. He's going to tell you his story. He's going to tell you a little bit about Cincinnati Time. Uh, And he'll tell you, I'm sure, a little bit about how uh, Sandler helped him rise from being an out-of-work salesperson to being a company owner. Okay, let me tell everyone a little bit about uh, Bob. Bob's the president of Axiom Consulting here in North America. Axiom is a global innovation and product development and product engineering services company. The American operation began in late 2010 and has grown to an operation of more than 50 people. You're up in Blue Ash, right, Bob? We are. Okay, and you've grown to 50 people in less than three years. Axiom has other locations in Asia, Europe, Latin America to best serve their global clients. Was Axiom a company that was founded here in uh, Cincinnati? No, it was founded actually in Asia, in India, in about 2001. In India? In India. How interesting. Bob, you were once a director of Procter & Gamble, and you were experienced in the product supply and research and development company? That is correct. Okay. How long were you a a director at Procter & Gamble? I was made a director probably in the late 80s. And, and then retired from P&G, you know, in about 2009. Okay. How many directors does a company like P&G have? A lot. A lot means? Yeah, probably uh, in the R&D function alone, I would say probably about 100. Wow. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> Let's see. You encountered Axiom back in 2006 while you were still at P&G. That is correct. And uh, I guess you ran into them in the product development area? That's right. I was responsible for uh, part of the program that P&G had called Connect and Develop, which was really to look for outside collaboration partners that could spark more innovation inside P&G. And Axiom was one of the companies that we screened and brought in, 
piloted, worked with, and then expanded to a much more complete service provider. Okay. And, uh, Bob, you were originally from Canada. I am. And you've lived here in Cincinnati since 1999? That's correct. When we uh, returned from Mexico, we uh, put down roots here in Cincinnati. P&G had sent you to Mexico? Yeah, they, they sent us to the Philippines, to Japan, and Mexico before we came back to Cincinnati. Okay. So, so you're fluent in Canadian, Spanish, and English? <laughs> French and English, sort of, I would say. Okay. French? <laughs> okay. long time ago, before Sam had an international division, I, I lost the major to you because we sent uh, our French-Canadian instructor to Paris for uh, a really large publicly held company. And they said, this is not French. Well, and they're right. You know, French-Canadian. I'm from Quebec, actually. Mm-hmm. That's my home. You know, it's uh, an antique form of French, let's say. You know, it's more from the 17th century than anything else. I didn't know what it was. I just knew that <laughs> if we had a shot at all, we, we had exactly at the time one French-speaking French translated turned out to be Quebec French, not Paris France. Yeah, absolutely. That was a problem. But now Sandler's in 33 countries and translated into nine languages. That's so great progress. Yeah, it's one, been one of the, the major growth areas for Sandler. Why don't you tell our, our listeners, Bob, a little bit about how uh, you got here and, and a little bit more about Axiom here in America? Okay. So, as we mentioned, Axiom was originally founded in 2001 uh, by a group of refugees from the automotive business. They had worked here in the U.S., in Detroit, worked in Germany you know, for the big German auto manufacturers and also for the Japanese. It was a bad time. They were Indian originally. They all went back home and created an entrepreneurial company, which P&G found through my outreach in about 2006. They were tiny, 30, 35 people, you know, all focused on product development and engineering. And the pilot projects that P&G set up with Axiom were very successful. You know, they delivered surprisingly attractive outcomes at great value to mm-hmm. P&G. And the work went from a few projects to hundreds of projects, literally in the course of about two years. Hundreds of projects. Hundreds of projects. Um, and in 2009, when I uh, chose to retire from P&G, I was young enough you know, to uh, do some other things that I had a, an aspiration to do. Mm-hmm. And the founders of Axiom had become really good friends. We shared values. You know, We were all interested in community service, and we had become really close collaborators as well as, you know, uh, commercial partners. So in one of their visits here to Cincinnati, we sat down for uh, a quick lunch, caught up on what everybody was doing. And one thing led to another, and I completely flunked out uh, my retirement, got sucked into, you know, helping them develop strategies for business growth in North America and beyond. Mm-hmm. And and that was the start of the journey for the last three years. Okay. So they just kind of insisted that you join. And I didn't resist. Okay. Are you having fun? I am having great fun. But if you're not having fun and doing what you're doing, I'm having great fun, loving it, and that's one of the most important values of Axiom is be passionate about what you do and show it. Good, good. So Axiom is a privately held company? It is. Okay. And the the do you have ownership here in the States or is it all by these five original No, I have I'm a I'm a partner in the company, so oh. I've so I've invested and you know participated in equity structure and the operation as well. Okay, that's a smart way to design a company. Why don't you tell our our audience a little bit about how Axiom goes to market? Because I imagine you've you've got to have clients outside of P&G. We do. Yes, we do. I mean, we've been very 
we benefited greatly from the strong P&G relationship, and, and that has helped us actually to access customers and clients, you know, all around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there's a group of P&G alumni that are behind the doors of many large companies, behind the doors of small entrepreneurial companies, and that existing P&G relationship has certainly helped. But we're really very focused on our core strategic competencies and what we're not very competent at, you know, and really try to leverage those strengths, you know, and seek customers that really have strategic needs that fit well with what we do. We are very much a referred partner, you know, mm-hmm. from company to company. Um, and yet we work with companies that range from the Fortune 500 down to individual inv- inventors, you know, all around the world. We we are very values driven. You know, we look and research at prospects, you know, very carefully. We try to understand the role that innovation plays in their business and where we can help um, mm-hmm. uh, leverage those competencies. And very importantly, we try to match up the values of our client with the values that we espouse. We found sometimes painfully, you know, that when there isn't a values match on how you go about your business and the kind of partnership model you want to operate with, there's a much lower probability of long-term strategic relationships. And that's what our business model is all about. You know, it's not one-off job shop. It's about long-term partnerships where we can grow value together. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for long-term relationships. We are. And we're not looking for hundreds. We're looking for a much smaller number, you know, dozens, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or less, you know, and we've been very successful on leveraging, you know, the scale that we created with major customers like Procter & Gamble and Microsoft and translating that, reapplying that, you know, to other like businesses and even quite different businesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems Microsoft's got some uh, some little bit of a rebellion they do from their uh, reseller group over the way they've handled this surface product. That, that's very true. I don't know how they get they got in that trouble. Why do you think people buy from Axiom? You, you do have competition. We do. We it's it's a little bit hard to find um, direct competition that covers the sort of end to end capability that we try to bring. Mm-hmm. But there clearly are um, competitors in many of the very focused areas. You know, we we believe that we have an advantage in that we knit these together holistically, you know, from the very beginning of the innovation cycle, so the earliest ideas, the earliest product concepts, or the earliest business model ideas, and can take it all the way through the development stages and support our customers as they scale it up and commercialize it, you know, even supporting their product qualifications, designing their supply chains, ensuring that the right quality systems are in place, troubleshooting, you know, if necessary, you know, Mm -hmm. in that startup phase. So that's something that's not readily available. We also believe that because of our global reach, much of the design work, you know, that is necessary, you know, in high quality engineered product development, which is what we focus on, can be done with world-class experts, you know, in markets around the world. So our team in India, you know, our resources in North America and Europe are mixed in a way that provides really the best value for our customers. Where the work can be done on an offshore basis at a lower cost, we bring that to life. Where the work and the relationship needs to be led locally, you know, in the same state, the same time zone, you know, we bring that to bear, uh, you know, in the region where our clients live. So we think that mix, you know, of, you know, of tuned value, let's say, you know, is also an attractive proposition. Maybe you can give our listeners an example of a 
value equation where it makes sense to offshore a, a function. So as an example, I, the product uh, types that we work on are really, as I said, engineered products. We don't deal with formulation chemistry. We don't deal with chemical engineering practices. We deal with engineered products, so structures, uh, consumer electronics, packages, you know, assembled products, these kinds of things. So there's a lot of detailed technical design and engineering, modeling and simulation, reliability engineering that normally is done, should be done in most cases. And we are able to bring to bear against that aspect of the work really world-class talent, you know, that is sourced in different countries that can be at half or less, you know, the cost of, you know, comparable capability in the U.S. or North America. So you would be the type of company that uh, would use those 3D printers to create uh, scale model, uh, exact size models of a new pair of yeah. headsets. Prototyping is one of the core approaches that we use in early product development. Rapid prototyping, now called 3D printing, is exactly one of those tools. But before that, you do a lot of digital design work. You do a lot of digital reliability engineering work. You do a lot of simulation work to make sure that the design, you know, that is on the table is actually robust enough, you know, to survive its intended use. Good. We're going to take a short break here, and I'm going to ask Jimmy Fox to talk about our next Tip Club meeting, which is usually the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. Jimmy. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event. Mike Roth. I'm back with Bob Tate. Uh, Bob, maybe you can explain to our listeners what you think your, in a succinct manner, your unique marketing advantage is. I think our unique advantage is that we are, as a small company, you know, with 200 people globally, uh, we actually have a very broad reach, you know, with our very reputable client base, um, and we bring to bear leading edge 
innovation systems design thinking, and yet we are at heart um, also hardcore engineers you know that are able to bring to life complicated, difficult concepts that have been applied in well-proven industries, including automotive and aerospace. But we are really working to apply them to um, less exotic, more everyday uh, product categories, you know, whether they're consumer electronics, you know, whether they're uh, package designs, whether they're machine platforms. Um, many of these tools and systems are uh, validated and can uh, confirm digitally, you know, um, that a car is safe, that a plane will fly, that prototypes are no longer made to prove that out. Um, but that practice is not used, you know, in many other product categories. And that's really what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring to life those proven systems and apply them to many other business domains where it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So are most of your employees uh, engineers? Most of them are technical. Um, some of them are, uh, are mechanical engineers, packaging engineers, but we also have industrial designers. You know, we also have uh, graphic designers. We also have software developers uh, because they are required as part of this greater mix uh, to really deliver a complete solution, a complete product. Right. Uh, but we have a relatively lower staffing of administrative and non-technical people to support the nature of our business. Mm -hmm. So do you have any salespeople in your organization? We do. Uh, we have an organization globally that we call our customer-facing organization. Uh, you know, And we really uh, have some that are dedicated to our most strategic, most mature clients to really nurture and grow and develop that relationship mm -hmm. to become more and more strategic over time. In account sales role. Exactly. Uh, but we also, you know, have um, uh, business development managers who are focused in on identifying new prospects, understanding the leads that we can create, really researching their strategies, where our competencies can add value to their business, and then understanding the contact points and the avenues that we can leverage to get access to the right people in those companies. Perhaps you could share with our listeners uh, one of your success stories about a product that you that you guys help bring the market that won't be revealing any trade secrets. Yeah, I, I do have to be a little bit careful about the confidentiality, obviously, of some sure. of our uh, some of our customers. But uh, one of the um, one of the earliest projects, actually, that uh, that Axiom worked on. This is while I was still at P and G, mm -hmm. um, and it's been written and featured in um, the book that the former and now current CEO of P of P and G, Al A G Lafley, you mm -hmm. know, wrote. Uh, his book was called The Game Changer. Um, Axiom is actually mentioned in that book, you know, as a development partner. Really? And um, it was um, for you and I, um, uh, who do not use cosmetic products very frequently, you know, or mascara perhaps ever at all, um, we were involved in a 24-7 uh, round-the-clock um collaboration project for the design of a new mascara brush, you know, for P&G's brand called CoverGirl, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where uh, Axiom actually did the technical designs for the brush, collaborating with the P&G formulators and product developers in their Hunt Valley um, technical center outside Baltimore, um, prototyping them, getting immediate um, every week consumer feedback on the designs and tuning it across all of these aspects to be able to really leverage the experience that P&G wanted to bring to bear. It's a rather arcane subject, 
you know, that you wouldn't necessarily consider to be subject to such high engineering rigor and consumer feedback, but literally the change leveraging some new technology for the brush design manufacturing took PNG's brand um, behind the name Lash Blast to the number one position, you know, in the mascara market. So that was one of the pilot projects that Axiom actually did with PNG in the early days. So it seems like even a simple product like a brush has the opportunity to sway market share dramatically. Be reinvented. It's all about the experience and the benefits that that product, you know, can actually deliver. We've also worked with other companies uh, who have made uh, vending machines, uh, tablets, uh, con uh, computer peripherals. Uh, you know, so many of the products that um, you know we use every day, whether it's a mobile phone platform or a mouse, you know, or even um, a tablet, you know, that is emerging. We've done behind the scenes a lot of reliability engineering work to make sure that we can drive the cost down for our clients. You know, we can prove it out, you know, on a fit-for-use basis that mm -hmm. it will be robust enough and have the right quality when it's actually delivered to the market. Yeah, well, obviously, Sony didn't do that on, on this laptop. The hinges squeak. It's going back twice for the same thing. Uh-oh. That's a problem. Yeah. Unfortunately, they worked well for the first month or so. So I brought my wife a second one because she liked mine. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of companies have had bad experiences, you know, on uh, on quality issues when they go to the market. They've spent millions, hundreds of millions, sometimes even billions of dollars on guarantees, which they have no way to resolve. And investing a little bit, you know, through these kind of methods that I've described can actually give you a better product. You know, it can deliver it faster so to the marketplace. So giving you the prototypes with the hinge, you would have opened and closed it 300 times. We, we would have done that digitally, you know, and demonstrated, you know, the failure modes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, understood, you know, whether it had the robustness profile that it really needed to survive mm -hmm. that life cycle, and then been able to recommend some design changes that could have, you know, either reduced or eliminated that problem depending on their specs. Yeah, the warranty cost and the aggravation. All of that. Machine away to Texas to have the, uh, this, this guy's visited Laredo a couple of times. Yeah. No, absolutely. And again, this simulation approach, the digital approach, is something that can be done cheaply, quickly, um, and getting a great idea to the marketplace fast you know, is really what it's all about. In, in this a quantity way, how many different products have you run through that digital reliability testing, roughly? Oh, it's Probably in the thousands. I don't. Really? I don't oh. think. I don't think we've ever, you know, uh, you know, counted it up. But it's probably in the thousands that we've worked on over the, you know, certainly over the lifetime of Axiom as an enterprise. Oh, that's really great. Uh, in the marketplace, what are the opportunities and possibilities you see for Axiom? We have. Um, we, we in the last three years since we opened up, uh, you know, our business development office here in Cincinnati, and and between you and me, Mike, you know, it was rather glorified in its early days. It mm -hmm. was a very small office. It had me, a phone list, you know, a laptop computer, you know, and, you know, uh, and a whole lot of, you know, time wondering if we would be able to make this happen. Um, and yet it did. You know, it started to take off, you know, you know word spread. Uh, we were able to demonstrate the kind of, you know, um, solutions that we could provide to demonstrate the relationship that we wanted to build with our customers. And that's now become a model for us to look at reapplying, you know, in other parts of the world. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we are now, I would say, relatively mature in Asia and in North America. Uh, we have actually opened up, you know, a similar starting venture in Europe, you know, in Belgium, and are looking at setting up a 
uh, twin uh, operation in Germany, and we've opened up a partnership, you know, in Latin America, really with a focus in on uh, Brazil, you know, as a developing market that has a huge potential, huge manufacturing uh, market there. Absolutely. Um, so global expansion and reapplication of this model that we've proven to ourselves and to our clients in North America can work and add value is now being globalized. That's uh, that's strategy number one. Um, Second strategy is really to make sure that we internally create scale uh, from the competencies that we have and that we build the synergy across the clients that we have. You know, one of the things that many of our customers remark on and we try very hard to deliver is the connections, the insights that can come from one company, obviously non-proprietary insights, and improve business and outcomes you know, for other customers. So in some way, we become connectors. Sometimes we're even connectors inside some of our biggest clients. You know, we are better able to connect people with similar needs inside those clients than they are themselves. Three different silos in the same company. Exactly. They don't talk to one another. You've got it. Exactly. And and that ability is something unique um, that we've been able to do because of the depth of relationships and connections and networks that we try to create within those client bases. Mm-hmm. Do you see any obstacles uh, in your path for growth? I think one of the things that you know is most difficult, certainly for Axiom, and I'd argue for many small companies, is really trying to figure out um, who inside the companies that we're targeting, you know, as potential strategic prospects, we should really get to how do we get them how do we find them you know how do we really get the message that we have to the right target audience inside those enterprises for a small company uh you know with you know even though we're now 200 people or so around the world it's still very difficult to deal with a 10 billion 20 billion 50 billion 80 billion dollar company and the complexities and the layers of people that you have to navigate through so that's still probably our single most challenging um, aspect in targeting our sales to the right uh, granular target inside those companies. That's funny because we've done kind of the same thing over here at Sandler over the last five years. We created a whole division called Global Accounts, and Global Accounts will call on a director of learning at a billion-dollar chemical company. Mm -hmm. I won't bother because it's just going to take too long, and if we succeed, out of territory training, which I don't want to do. Right. And they have 13 people on the road every day of the week, you know, 20 days a month, to handle training of 300 people in China or uh, India or Germany. So a completely different strategy that we created to cover uh, global accounts. In fact, we say we have a different attack point, a different segment of the marketplace. Right. right. Uh, let's take a uh, another short break here and let's listen to a couple of Sandler commercials. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. 
For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never soar. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Bob Tate. Uh, Bob, your company here in the States has been about three years old. Do you have a long-term strategic plan for your United States division? We do. Uh, we have um, started three years ago. You know, we now have about 50 people on board. Uh, we are rapidly diversifying our business across um, many different customers, many different industry verticals, uh, and uh, we're finding that um, that the rapid pace of growth, you know, that we have seen in the last three years is something that we need to both, on one hand, stabilize and focus on excellence and delivery for our mature and really long-standing clients, and yet separate from the new client development and new business development arms. So we're actually maturing our approach to really have uh, a um, a dual path you know, on relationship development, mm -hmm. um, service delivery excellence for our established clients, uh, and have reorganized, you know, our company here in the U.S. to really enable that, deliver that, and at the same time, really build up a long-term sustainable organization design here. Um, on the other hand, uh, we need to now translate uh, the capabilities, the strategies that we've proven, you know, with our current clients and translate them and compress the timing, you know, for business growth in those new targets, given the confidence that we have in our past track record. Mm -hmm. uh, and those um, need to go on in parallel and need to be operating uh, really separately one from the other. You know, if we try to run our current business and our new business development under one umbrella, we will be sucked into the uh, you know, call it the gravity field of our big major clients. You know, so we really are trying to diversify and organize strategically for that growth. It's quite likely, um, and in fact, we've actually reorganized our corporate structure here in the U.S. Um, to form uh, a company called Axiom Americas Inc. Um, and are converting some of our current Axiom consulting operations to a new Ohio-based LLC called Axiom Product Development LLC. Um, but it's really designed to enable us to really grow um, in a much more mature way, uh, you know, to take much more advantage of the 
growth and investment vehicles that are available here in the U.S. and to enable us to actually set up other um, domestic bases in the U.S. You know, if we find our clientele, uh, you know, really requires us to be in locations beyond Cincinnati. Um, you know, so whether that's the East Coast, whether that's up in the Chicago, uh, you know, Minneapolis area, whether that's the West Coast, you know, we are really setting ourselves up for flexible, agile growth in these other geographies. So you've got the maps with the pins that say what cities that you're doing the most do. business yeah, in. We do. We do. So it sounds like you're doing business on the West Coast, maybe Detroit. Yep. Some East Coast. Minneapolis, business. Chicago area mm-hmm. as well. Yep. And Cincinnati's been a great location for us. You know, it's central. You know, it's easy to get, you know, within a 500-mile radius of Cincinnati and be in our clients' offices, face-to-face conversations. It's not at all difficult to get to either the East Coast or the West Coast, but it's not that far down the road that we can see needing to have people in these other locations to be much closer, much more ready to deal with on a daily or weekly basis with many of these potential customers. Mm-hmm. So you see some growth in terms of opening up operations in different cities. We do. Yeah, we do. Okay, it's not unusual. Uh, what do you think your prospects are looking for right now? Um, I, I, in the sort of aftermath you know, of the financial difficulties, really globally in the last three, four years, um, many of the companies that we're dealing with, large and small, are um, reflecting on what their core strategic competencies are um, and evaluating if they're different than where they have been before, um, what's really core to their business, you know, to staff and support internally, and what is still very important for their business to have available at the level of excellence and consistency that they need. Um, Many of the companies have, you know, are going through um, budget controls, even staffing reductions, um, and are looking for long-term external service providers uh, who they can partner with, you know, over the long term uh, that can really develop the expertise, the continuity, the consistency approach, make it easy for those clients to work with them even in their own language, you know, in their own work processes, in their own systems, and yet can do it in a way that is um, affordable, um, value-added, you know, and developing over time. So we're seeing that our prospects are often looking for those partners, holistic partners, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. a few strategic partners that they can deal with, you know, who can actually deliver that full-service opportunity, not as a replacement for what they are doing inside, but as a complementary strategy for what they've declared strategic and yet is also strategic for the partners they're seeking. That's a common theme that we're hearing time and time and time again. So are uh, your business relationships uh, such that you're using a lot of the video teleconferencing, like the Cisco telepresence, we do. You know, we use a lot of that, whether it you know, and uh, and simpler systems like uh, audio conferencing, you know, WebEx systems. I mean, a, a lot of uh, internet-based collaboration tools, both within our Axiom operations around the world, but also with our clients around the world as well. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, we have a theory of operation here uh, that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong, so that if you want to solve a complex problem, you need an equally complex solution. Perhaps without revealing any trade secrets, you can share with our listeners a complex problem 
that you guys solve with a complex solution that, from a theory of operation, may move from one industry in terms of product development in your world to another industry? Yeah, I think um, I, I think there's truth to what you say, that complex problems require complex solutions. But I think also there's another corollary, which I'll come back and talk about as well, that there are ways to reframe the problem you know, and actually get to quite different and maybe even simpler solutions that might be better for the long term. But uh, we have found, you know, so a lot of people ask us the question, you know, we deal with um, uh, companies as as varied as computer per- peripherals, consumer products, food and beverage, uh, um, uh, industrial applications, you know, automotive applications, and people look at a small company like Axiom uh, and and says, how can you support all of these so very different products and these so very different types of industry verticals. And what we have tried to do is actually to take it down to the common denominator of the science, the physics, the transformations that are required to make those products successful um, and to really, when necessary, take it back to first principles and build it back up. You know, So our common ground, our foundation, our scale and synergy is really from that foundational science and engineering principles. Mm-hmm. So what we do, you know, in a um, complicated, multi-component consumer electronics product, like a tablet or a mobile phone, is really no different, you know, than how we would approach a design product that could be a package or a sprayer for a household cleaning product or uh, you know, even a, um, you know, a uh, computer mouse. Um, the, the, the principles are exactly the same. Um, you may think that they need to be different, um, and some of them look much more complicated than others, but really the transformations and the solutions are really founded in exactly the same thing. Yeah, a couple of months ago when I bought this uh, Sony uh, Ultrabook without a numeric keypad, I stumbled across this Canon mouse that had a numeric keypad on it with a key that turns it into a numeric keypad for the computer or a freestanding calculator. Right. It, it was totally unique to me. It was so unique I bought three of them. Right. We're stuck. right. So, so, so whether you're dealing with communication systems and radio frequency tags, you know, whether you're dealing with simulation and digital design, whether you're dealing with a fancy car you know, or a small plane, uh, you know, the, the science, the assembly, the engineering practices are really all the same. So on one hand, yes, when you build them all up, you get a very complicated problem, an integrated, multi-component, thousand-part solution. Um, that needs to be built up one element at a time. You know, so it's both complex and simple. Um, and, and we found some great success in being able to uh, to find the middle ground between those areas. Okay, that's good. Uh we have a couple of minutes left in this segment. Uh, why don't you tell uh, our listeners how they can get a hold of you or someone at your company after the show? Sure. Um, so uh, our website, you know, is www.axiomconsult.com, um, and uh, you can reach me uh, directly at robert.tate at axiomconsult.com or any of the contact us uh, links on the website. You know, that will go. Uh, to one of our sales team, and we'll uh, get back to you very, very quickly. Um, you can also find us on LinkedIn. Uh, you can mm-hmm. find us on Twitter. 
you can find us on Facebook, and you can find us on YouTube. You know, so all of those uh, you know social media platforms will, if you search for Axiom Consulting, you'll find us and um, look for us based in Blue Ash in Ohio, and uh, we'll be happy to get back if you need to reach us. Good. Uh, since we're talking about the internet, did you guys develop your own internet website? We. Um, uh, three years ago, you know, when we were expanding globally, we spent um, not an exorbitant amount of time, uh, you know, but we spent a lot of time trying to think through what was the brand that we wanted to create, you know, as we expanded mm-hmm. globally. What were the important legacy equity elements, you know, of where Axiom had grown from, you know, and that were really an important part of the company that we wanted to describe. Uh, and we actually built up that branding statement and the brand identity, uh, and then worked with uh, you know some web designers here in the Cincinnati area, small businesses. We try to as much as we can support small business in the tri-state area, mm-hmm. um, and co-developed that you know with them. Um, and uh, it's been uh, we think very successful for us. Uh, but it also you know, requires a lot of time and energy to keep up to date with appropriate and timely and relevant content. And we're now looking at how we can simplify that approach. But the core concepts of the brand, you know, the core concepts of the website, you know, are really from those earliest days as we launched here in the U.S. So are you doing uh, pay-per-click and search engine optimization? We we actually have in our uh, in our office park location, you know, in Blue Ash. Uh, we have another uh, up-and-coming company who was recognized here in the city who does uh, uh, analytics for website, and mm-hmm. we've been collaborating with them to understand what's working, what's not working, you know, how we can optimize, how we can simplify, how we can get relevant, timely content and updated information on the web you know, in an affordable way. I mean, we're not a wealthy company. We're in completely internally uh, you know, supported from our own cash flow for any investments we need to make. So finding great ways and great partners to work with, you know, in the city and help us understand the affordable routes to do this is very important. Good. You might recommend them to be a guest on the radio show. I can do that. Uh, why don't we take a uh, another short break and we're going to listen to San LaRule number three. Hi, I'm Mike Crandall with Sandler Training, here to talk to you about Sandler Rule number three, no mutual mystification. So what does it mean? Well, let me ask, have you ever entered into a sales call with an expectation that it was going to end one way and then to find out that it did not end that way, but another way, bad or good? Or have you ever been in a meeting with an expectation of what was going to transpire only to find out that that isn't actually what transpired? Both of those are examples of where there was mutual mystification. In general, you can think of mutual mystification as any time when two parties have different expectations and don't take the time to clarify them in advance of the interaction. It's our job as sales professionals to be intentional about finding out what expectations people have, to define phrases and terms in advance that might be misunderstood, to tie up any loose ends, also to make sure that all parties are in sync with what has happened as well as what will happen. I like to say this is summed up by one of my favorite phrases. The source of all the world's frustration is unfulfilled expectation. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Bob Tate. Bob, 
I always like to ask company leaders like yourself, and you've been on a board of directors, uh, if they could give our listeners, other CEOs, company entrepreneurs, a leadership tip. I, I'd be delighted to try. You know, there there are two things I guess that you know that I've learned um, over the years, and 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 we have tried to put into practice here, uh, even at Axiom, uh, and they are both be very clear about your core competencies and what you do well. Um, be also equally clear about those things that are not core, maybe not strategic. You know, and find a different way, you know, to get them done. Um, there are great partners out there, you know, who are expert in many fields. And, and often there's a temptation to develop all of these things inside your own enterprise mm-hmm. when it really is not necessary to do it. Um, it takes an immense amount of time, an immense amount of management energy, an immense amount of money. Uh, to actually develop all the things that a particular enterprise need to have. Um, when in fact, for those things, you know, that are important to your company, your company can really do it best. For those things that are, um, really essential for your company to succeed, but are not core and strategic to your operation and where you want to invest, find a great partner, you know, that you can develop, you know, develop, um, integrity, um, partnership, uh, values with and make them a part of your business. Invite them into your business to grow with you, you know, in that enterprise. The second thing that I think is really, really important, and, and I think it's uh, a precept of certainly P&G, um, it's a reason why I have left previous companies, it's the reason why I considered coming to Axiom, you know, is define the values of your enterprise. You know, really uh, use them to develop a culture, for what you stand for, how you're going to operate, the principles that you will do business, and do your very best, you know, to deliver against them. No one is perfect, you know, but if you articulate them um, and you really hold yourself up to them, it will become a very critical screen for who are the clients that you will work with the best, Mm -hmm. who are the partners that you can develop long-term sustaining relationships with, who are the people, the talent that you want to bring into your company that will thrive in that kind of a culture and be responsive to those kind of values? Um, we have walked away from clients, you know, where the values match was not good. You know, even though they had the potential of a lot of projects, so and, have we, so have we. Um, it just was not worth it. It was painful. a culture clash, painful. It's better to go someplace where those values are a match or at least complementary. It doesn't have to be perfect. We started uh, a few years ago uh, delineating those in, in four simple concepts. We said we have to be totally honest with every client, and we expect honesty back from them. Right, precisely. Yeah. Second was integrity uh, and, and confidentiality. Uh, third was uh, commitment. Commitment means for us doing what you said you were going to do, even after the spirit in which it was right. said is gone. And then the fourth concept was we judge people and companies not by the commitments they make, but by the ones they keep. That's the acid test. And uh, those four, if someone failed, we, we can't have them as a client, even if they would be a large client. I totally agree with you. I mean, we have, we've called out five general areas. You know, it really is excellence first, technical mastery mm-hmm. in what we do. Uh, you know, it's integrity. You mm-hmm. mentioned that. 
Um, it really is being in touch you know, with the needs of our customers, in touch with the needs of our employees, mm-hmm. and being able to internalize that and play it back in a meaningful way. Um, it's really passion, uh, you know, needing to really love what you do, you know, and demonstrate that, you know, mm-hmm. in the way you get the work done. Um, and then lastly, it's respect. I mean, you've touched many of those things, but those are the five core values that we um, have extracted from Axiom's history, have built up to be the aspirational culture that we want to create no matter where we are you know, in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's the unifying um, force in some way that allows us to really grow and replicate, you know, not just the business models that we've been able to show, but the organizational models that we want to create. It, it, it helps you pick the right people for your organization. Absolutely. I mean, that we we've been hiring a lot of people as we've talked in the last uh, you know in the last couple of years um and there are there's great talent out there you know we probably uh don't make an offer to any more than 2 of 10 you know people that we that we screen through mm-hmm. um and it's relatively easier to find people with the right kind of technical credentials or work experience it's much harder to find the values fit uh you know so we reject many more candidates, you know, for the values, uh, softer side of the equation than we do for the technical credentials that we're seeking. Are you recruiting for new employees now? We are. We, we have, uh, we are always on the lookout for, uh, for new talent. We are not a, um, temporary hiring agency. We recruit for long-term employment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have postings on our website right now and on LinkedIn and other locations, you know, for mostly technical talent. Uh, you know, and, uh, uh, and they vary depending on our visibility to the kind of clients and the kind of projects that they may have. But, uh, but yes, we'll be continuing to hire over the next, you know, three, six, 12 months. So you, as you look at the, your crystal ball for the future of business in our region of the country, you see it as bright, staying the same or getting worse. Very bright. Uh, I mean, our my visibility, and, and, and perhaps we're an anomaly, you know, is that we have been able to grow in the last three years at a pace of um, 200 or 300 percent each year, you know, for mm-hmm. the last couple of years. Uh, you know, we've had the visibility to um, long enough business horizons to actually make commitment to dozens of employees, you know, not just for three months or six months, but for a career as long as they are satisfied and growing and developing with Axiom. And we see that, you know, to continue. Uh, so whether it's the small business growing first aspect of the economic recovery, uh, you know, we certainly are very, very optimistic and many of our small business partners and collaborators, you know, are seeing the same kind of trend. So are you seeing your new business come from taking business from your competition or, um, outsourcing where a company was doing the same function you are internally before and now they're outsourcing it to Axiom. We're seeing some of both of those. I mean, we do not view ourselves as a as an outsourcing co- not an outsourcing company as you might think about work going overseas, for example. Right, right. You know, we do see work coming to us from some of our clients that they have chosen no longer to do inside their own enterprises. Mhm. Why don't you tell me the uh, the top three things uh, people would say, your clients and your people, about your your corporate culture? Um, What we hear from our clients, uh, you know, is 
top of the list is really that we are very easy to work with. Um, and I think that comes really um, as a direct fallout from our intention to really get into their minds as a strategic partner, to really learn about how they work, what their internal systems are, to tune our vocabulary you know, on how they work um, into theirs so that there is no translation requirement, uh, you know, and, um, and, and yet stay rooted to the core principles of great new product development ideas, how you put them through their paces to evaluate their right to succeed or not, um, and then how you scale them up and commercialize them. So there's some underlying foundational work systems that are important, which we believe we're expert at, and yet we translate that into the natural everyday work approach that our clients you know really use so whether that's a png system whether that's a craft system whether that's a microsoft system they all have a common foundation but it's presented and played back and worked in their language their approach mm -hmm. i think our employees uh would describe us as a um, as an innovative company, you know, where we try very hard to um, limit bureaucracy, you know, to really uh, enable new ideas, um, to really collaborate in new and different ways, you know, to respond to new ideas, to not be critical of off-the-wall concepts. And then in many ways, we're very courageous for taking on things that we have no real idea at the beginning how to solve. Really? Um, so and yet we, we bring these things together and we seem to be able to find a path through it, you know, for either our outcomes or our clients' outcomes. So as a CEO, uh, briefly in the last couple of minutes, what motivates you, Bob, to make tough decisions? What motivates me to make tough decisions, I think, are really, um, you know, the the requirements of an enterprise, which is make smart strategic choices for the long term, not short term tactical decisions that may lead to, you know, a, a fleeting advantage in the next one or two months, but really try to drive towards those decisions that are in the long run the right choices for our customers. If our customers you know, are delighted with what we provide to them on outcomes, value, we will ultimately succeed. From our employees, uh, we want to be able to enable them to succeed, you know, uh, and to be able to grow and move into vectors that they've dreamed about but may not have been trained for, mm -hmm. you know, and to provide the environment for that diversity of experience for them to get in, experiment, learn, maybe sometimes fail, make mistakes, but to be stronger for it. You know, and we really we don't want to construct that innovation process whatsoever. Good. Uh Bob, I want to thank you for being on the show today and I'm going to give you a copy of the the whole book with all forty nine Sandler rules in it. This this went Wonderful. To, uh, thank you. Number one on Amazon when we released it about two years ago. And then up to the Wall Street Journal's list for three uh three number three for a couple of months. And in fact, today it's uh, out of three million books. It's still about number three thousand. And uh, again, thanks for being on the show with us today, and uh, really appreciate you coming in. I hope our people listening have uh, learned a little bit uh, about Axiom. I know I certainly did. 
Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.